Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Welcome to another edition of a quarantined episode of the Score North Gophers Show. Welcome in. I would be Ross Brendel, joined this time around by my good buddy and one of my favorite Score North co-workers. Manny at Score North, you're probably in the top 20 of favorite co-workers. I just gave it away. <laughs> Mr. Manny Hill. Good to see you. I can actually see you this time as we... Uh, meet up through, I think I can say this, they'd probably appreciate the pub. We are meeting up on this quarantined edition through Zoom, so we can actually see each other. Well, I can see all of you based off of the way we're recording this. You can see about two-thirds of me. That will have to do. Uh, you hanging in there, buddy? You look well. Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Um, it's It's been interesting. You know, I've, I've barely left the house, I think, like most Americans hopefully have barely left the house just considering the, the current state of affairs, considering how things have just been for, for everybody. But um, uh, as you can see, I have not shaved in quite a while. <laughs> haven't really felt the need to. So it's just like, hey, you know, uh, you just sort of in, in, enjoy what we have, try to make the best of what we have and, and uh, continue on living the best way we can. It's the one thing I still can't do. I will go probably two or three days at the most without shaving off the little stubble that I have. And then I just have to get rid of it because it looks stupid. I think right now you can kind of see some of it's there. I don't think yeah. this will be there tomorrow. I just can't I just can't do it like you can. A couple of my buddies have some really good quarantine beards going on right now, and they don't typically <laughs> grow facial hair. So it's kind of fun to see, but it, it makes me jealous because where they're at after two weeks is where I would be in like two years. So I, I get I get really jealous by that. That is neither here nor there. Let's talk some gopher sports. There is some stuff to chat about, Manny. The gophers landed... I guess I would say on the grand scale of transfers, probably a higher end transfer in Liam Dobbins from Drake. He actually comes with a, a little bit of a connection. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. His uh, uncle, uh, Ed Conroy, is an assistant coach for Richard Pitino. So obviously that helped. And uh, Dobbins also knows, I believe, um, one of the players on the current roster who might be Conroy's kid. I think I pulled that from Marcus Fuller's story at StarTribune.com. Manny, it, it's a it's a quote-unquote big get for a few reasons. One, the kid's big. He's over seven feet tall, but he actually did have some really nice numbers last year. But I talked about this with Murph when we were talking about other recruits, Manny. Liam Dobbins last year for Drake in the Missouri Valley averaged 14.1 points, 7.1 rebounds, and 2.9 blocks. 
Those are really good numbers, but it will be interesting to see how does that translate to the Big Ten if he played the same amount of minutes with the Gophers last year as he did with Drake. I don't think either one of us believes he would have those same numbers. So do I think this is a good get? Yes. I just caution, I think some people, and I'd be very happy to be wrong here, a lot of people on the Twitter machine, on the instant reaction, feel like we just got Trey Jones. You know, one of the best one of the best players in the country, which not to be mean, if he was one of the best players in the country, he wouldn't have been a Drake. Yeah. So uh, am I wrong on any of this? And where are you at? And I do want to close very quickly to qualify. This is a good get. I'm not downplaying the get. I just don't know realistically how excited we should be. And I don't think we need to roll out the red carpet for a team that we now suddenly believe is going to be an NCAA tournament team. Now, Marcus Carr comes back. You add a recruiter to. There is a good one still out there with Minnesota on his list. We'll get to that. Okay, then maybe. But for right now, to me, this is just a a pretty good body to land. Yeah, I mean, I I think when you look at this entire situation, I, I think at best what you're getting from him um, is that you're, you're, you're essentially getting Daniel Oturu's replacement. And the reality is Daniel Oturu is likely, very likely going to be a first-round pick in the NBA. Is Liam, is Liam Robbins going to be a first-round pick in the NBA? I, I don't know. Maybe he comes here to the Gophers and, and performs well and sort of plays himself into that sort of situation. But... I think what what you're getting at best here is is, is sort of a, a replacement for Daniel Oturu, and we're not even sure if he is going to be as good as Daniel Oturu was last year. And despite how good Daniel Oturu was this past season, the Gophers still didn't make the still were not going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I, I guess my thing is. How much? I mean, it, it, it. You know, I'm with you on this. As as Laney comes into the uh, into the screen and makes a cameo there. Um, yeah, it was um, it was. I think her purr may actually show up on this record too. By the way, so <laughs> yes. apologies to the listeners and not to derail your thought, Manny. I couldn't sound any less credible when I butcher the kid's name. Robbins, not Dobbins. Robbins, not right. not Dobbins. So thank you for clearing that up. I think he'll forgive you. I would imagine he'll forgive <laughs> I'm, you. I'm sure we are going to be the podcast he listens to every time it drops. I'm sure he's already subscribed. Um, but I, I, I think when you're when you're looking at you know where this program is, and, and again, I'm with you. It's a nice get. It's better, you know. It's it's better to have Liam Robbins than I think it is not to have Liam Robbins. Um. It's a it's a nice get, but I don't I still don't know how much of an impact in the in the positive direction this is going to have on the program. I mean, th- this program needs to take a to take another step here, Ross. I mean, you and I both we both agree on that. We both know that. You know, I mean, going into next year, the expectations may not be super high, but the reality is. 
the expectations should be higher, I think, than, than what they've been. And, you know, is Liam Robbins going to be enough to sort of push this team over the top to, to meet the expectations that this team, I think, should have? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing that. But it is a nice get. He's a seven-footer, I think. You know, you, you block three shots a game, even in the Missouri Valley. I think that has to count for something. Um, I think it means that he that, that's an element to his game that could potentially help this team. Um, and he does have playing experience, so it's not – you figure he's going to be a guy that steps in, and, and if, if he's not a starter, that he's at least going to be a guy that gets significant playing time for them right out of the gate. So um, it's a nice get. It's a solid get. Um, I don't believe that it's earth-shattering or, or program-changing or, or anything like that. I guess we're just going to have to see how it really plays out. Yeah, Robin says in uh, Marcus Fuller's story at the Star Tribune, startribune.com, he talks about wanting to test himself against the best. So I certainly appreciate that. And obviously, as we know, the Big Ten, a much the, the competition level not that the Missouri Valley is not a bad conference of the mid majors; it's one of the betters. But the comp, it's one of the better conferences. But the competition in the Big Big Ten is much better than the Missouri Valley. He did say to give Little Richard some credit, Manny. He was contacted by twenty five schools. Now I don't know who all those schools were, but to be able to land somebody who's been contacted by twenty five schools in a relatively short window, that should say something for Richard Pitino and also. Worth noting, there is a chance that Liam Robbins can play right away. The NCAA, well, there's a couple things. He can apply to try and play right away, but the NCAA is also mulling whether they should just let everybody freely transfer one time only this year because of the COVID outbreak. So I'd say the odds are pretty good he's going to play next year. If Marcus Carr comes back, that's pretty good. And Manny, down the road here, very soon we're going to get a decision from Kerwin Walton, and he put Minnesota in his top six. He's a four-star recruit, top 100 in the country. That would be a good get for Richard Pitino, but until he actually commits to the University of Minnesota, I'm not going to believe that he's coming here because with plenty of Minnesota kids before, again, qualifier, not that you need the Minnesota kids, but plenty of Minnesota kids before we've been in the top six, top four, and left at the altar. But if you're able to land a kid like that, and then you have Marcus Carr in the fold, and then you have Liam Robbins, okay, maybe this team could sneak into an NCAA tournament next year. You don't know. Yeah, 100%. And and I think the reality is, and, and we can get to Marcus Carr here in, in a moment, but the reality is this is – this is sort of the, the the price of poker. This is the way things go with college basketball now. And, you know, if you recruit really good players, there's a chance you're going to lose those players early. And you're going to have to be a recruiting machine to be, you know, in order to be successful. And, I mean, even just speaking on a, on a sort of a higher level of – of success. So, you, you know, you look at the Duke Blue Devils, you look at what Coach K has had to do with Duke over the last five or six years. You know, Coach K won a lot of national titles back in the 90s and, and into the 2000s with guys that he 
recruited, obviously really talented players that he recruited that stayed at Duke for a really long time, most of them all the way up to their senior year. And even Coach K realized, okay, I can't win that way in college basketball, in big-time college basketball anymore because a lot of these guys, they're going to be really talented and they're going to go to the NBA. They're going to want to go to the NBA right away. And so I've got to, I'm going to need to continue to keep my recruiting skills up there at, at a top-notch level. And I think Richard Pertino is, is learning that now. And you, this, this is just a never-ending cycle of recruiting. Every year, you've got to recruit your tail off because you just you just don't know. The reality is you just don't know who's going to be on your team from season to season. I mean, rather it be guys leaving early like a Daniel Oturu, you get guys that get injured, like, you know, we saw Eric Curry get injured a couple times and miss a couple seasons. I mean, you just don't know. And so you always have to be hard-nosed on the recruiting trail. And, you know, I mean, what's the what's the worst what's the worst that worst thing that could happen if you recruit really really well and you recruit a lot of really good players? Like what's what's the downside to that? You know, so it's it's just one of those things that it's, it's just going to have to continue for Richard Pertino to, to I think, you know, stay in this position and, and get this program to where I think a lot of people feel it should be. Yeah, I think the only downside, Manny, would be that good players don't play and they transfer. But if you have enough good players right. in the program, well, then to your point, I wouldn't even say that that's a downside. That's just the price of poker, the price of doing business. You mentioned Marcus Carr. I talked about Marcus Carr at length with Murph in the last pod here in this feed, available on iTunes, Spotify, scorenorth.com, or the free Score North mobile app. So I don't want to overtake too much here because you can get my opinion. I'll just recap my opinion because I'm not sure if you had a chance to hurt it or to hurt it. Jeez, to hear it. (laughs) We all know that for me, if you listen enough, at times I definitely have trouble speaking. So. My apologies, but I just get so excited and so passionate about Gopher Sports. How how can you not be with, with all the winners, Manny Hill? Um, <laughs> um, my point on Marcus Carr was I just have a feeling that based off of what he's seen, that Daniel Oturu is going to be a first-round pick, maybe a lottery pick. He saw the success that Amir Coffey was able to have prior to the NBA season being postponed who knows what'll happen going forward I lean I got it at like 60 percent I know players enter into the 60 percent that he's going to choose to go to the NBA I know players put their name in this process a lot and pull back our own Darren Doogie Wolfson from KSTP TV and also Score North and the Scoop podcast he said last year more than 70 kids put their name in and then came back I just got a feeling he might view this as a as a good time to go based off of the other two that have left. But I did see when uh, Robbins committed to the University of Minnesota, Marcus Carr was very excited about that. So it's possible that maybe he is just looking to see what his draft grade is so he can improve upon what he needs to this upcoming season to go to the NBA. So there's my take. I didn't spit it out as quick as I thought I was going to. But I don't believe Manny. I don't think it's laughable that he will choose the NBA. I think right now I feel like it's 60-40 that he might just move on from the University of Minnesota and go to the NBA. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, listen, it, I, you know, last year when Amir Coffee declared, I, I thought to myself, I don't know if Amir's going to get drafted and, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll decide to, to come back when he realizes he's probably not going to get drafted and he'll come back for a senior season. And he didn't, he stayed and, and, um, or he, he stayed, he stayed along the path of going to the NBA and he was not drafted, but he got, um, he got a camp invite to the Los Angeles Clippers and ended up playing in the G league for a little bit. And, you know, last we checked, he was on the, he was on the big club, you know, before, before the NBA season was suspended. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I, I think if Marcus Carr feels like that sort of thing, you know, that path that Amir Coffey has chosen could be an option for him, I think it's very, I think there's a pretty good chance that he does decide to, to stay that course and, and, and go on to the NBA. Now, to your point, he sees Liam Robbins commit to transfer to the Gophers. He, you know, tweets about it. He, I think he like retweeted it or something like that and had like a little caption or something like that, right? He had a um, bunch of M's. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, that, to your point, I mean, that could mean that he does decide to, to return. He sort of dips his toe on the waters of the NBA and then when he realizes what's in front of him or what his options are, then he, you know, maybe he decides to decides to come back. But I, I will say this. I don't think any guy should ever not pursue their dreams, no matter what the profession is. And I, I never, I never try to be the guy that wants to tell certain guys to, well, you need to just stay in school. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of doing it before, but I think ultimately these guys have to make these decisions for themselves. And, you know, a lot of times if, if they feel like getting that NBA paycheck right away is the better option, I can understand why it's hard to say no to that. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people should just really support whatever, whatever Marcus decides to do. Now, as far as, the type of impact that that could have on the program. I mean, you lose Daniel Oturu and Marcus Carr in the same offseason. I mean, now I think we would really have to look at what the expectations for this program is going to be next year and just where where they're at and, and how things are going to go because that would be – I mean, losing Oturu is already a huge blow, but I think – I think – most of us already kind of assumed that that was the route he was going to take. Um, but this, this, if Marcus Carr does leave, man, this is, this is going to be, that's a huge blow. That's a huge blow because I think even with Oturu leaving, if there was some sort of positive to look into next season is that Marcus Carr, at least your starting point guard was going to be, was going to be back. And now if he's not back, then where do you go? And, and do you have enough depth to really have a successful season next year? Yeah, trying to talk myself into Marcus Carr's coming back, maybe it's possible that maybe Liam Robbins just knows that Marcus Carr is probably coming back, that he's just putting his name into the process just to get graded out. Because if you're yeah. Liam and you might only have two years left, why would you want to waste one of them on a team that might not have a point guard? So, so maybe there's a little, maybe I'm overthinking that, but maybe, maybe that could be enough to start to persuade me back to 
Marcus Carr will come back and be a member of the Minnesota Golden Gophers next year. If you do lose Marcus Carr and you lose Daniel Oturu, well, then you better hope that Kerwin Walton, the top 100 recruit in your own backyard, you better hope that he chooses the University of Minnesota. Manny, I want to touch on a few other topics. A lot of them are just kind of for fun topics. One that I threw to you, and I'm not going to put too much into this. I don't necessarily think that you have to either. But my question to you was, which Gopher men's team between these four do you think is the closest to winning a national championship? Is it the Gopher men and Bob Motzko, Gopher men's hockey? Is it Gopher men's basketball and Richard Pitino? Is it Gopher baseball and John Anderson? Or is it the Golden Gopher football team and P.J. Fleck? I look at this and I think it's, I told you, I can make a case that it's P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers, but I think that case would be, it would still be a flimsy case at this point. But you could make the case, which is awesome, and props props to P.J. for at least putting Gopher football and national championship within the same paragraph and you don't laugh at it, right? Props to him. That's awesome. I think the easy answer here, though, is I think it's probably Bob Motzko and Gopher Hockey, mainly because we know Bob's pedigree taking St. Cloud State to number one seeds into the NCAA tournament. Not great tournament success, but he was able to get there year over year over year, or year after year after year after year. Now he's at the University of Minnesota, and to me it's a numbers game. You have 60 teams that play Division I hockey, 16 make the NCAA tournament. I know they haven't won one now in almost 20 years. As Manny goes flying, and I'll pick you back up so you can see me, Manny. But I, I definitely think, as I try and talk into the mic here, I definitely think that it's Bob Motzko and the Gopher men's hockey program Am I wrong there? Do you have a different opinion? What do you think between those four teams? Yeah, no, I actually think you're, you're spot on with it. And, I, you know, and I, I know it's, you know, on the surface, you know, people that don't follow college hockey or don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it may look at it and, and not really. I, I, I think a reason to think that it's not them is just the fact that, you know, it's, it's people that don't really pay a lot of attention to college hockey. and. But I, I think when when you look at everything that you laid out, you got 60 teams in Division One. You know, uh, uh, just over a quarter of that make the NCAA tournament. But also, I mean, I, I think you, you just look at the Gophers being where they are as a program. And, and we know that, you know, recruiting has been spotty at times um in in recent years with the with the program the recruiting and development and everything i understand that but you still have in this state a a recruiting hotbed for talent and you know you have the the premier program the premier college hockey program at least at least in terms of name um, in in, uh, in 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 the region, so I mean, I, I think that that's that should be able to help them. Also, hey, Ross, you and I, we both watch hockey for a long time. How many times do we see teams get hot and go on a run for a championship? Yeah, in well, this sport, Manny, that to me is a part where anybody who didn't have a chance to finish a season was robbed. But the the Gopher hockey team, who's to say they wouldn't have won a national championship this year? They had talent on their team. They were going to need to win 
at Penn State before it was po- or canceled, and then they were going to have to win the following weekend. But yeah, Manny, if you do if you do the math, you were basically just asking them to win six more games in a row. It's been done. I think they actually yep. even did it this season. Now, granted, it would have been against really quality opponents, but that goes back to my original point where. To me, you obviously have to be a, a good team to win. You have to put yourself in position to maybe go on a run like you were talking about. But if you can just be team one or team 16, you have a chance. Being the 16 overall seed or the worst four seed in the NCAA hockey tournament, not like being a 16 seed in the NCAA basketball tournament where only one team has ever won a game. The Gophers have seen the, the Gophers have seen that, by the way. The, the Gopher hockey team has seen that losing to the right. alleged fifteen and sixteen overall seeds. Well, but even think about this though, Ross. The Gopher hockey team is the Gopher men's hockey team. They are six years removed from being the national runner-up. Yep. They made the national championship game in two thousand fourteen, and. And I mean, I, I think that in itself, I think proves right there that they're they are the closest probably to winning to winning a national championship of all the sports that we listed. Now, I do think that there is a mild case to be made for PJ Fleck and the, and the football team. The only thing is, is it is so hard when you look at even with the college football playoff now, Ross. It is so hard to get into that thing. And think about just in the era of the college football playoff, since the BCS ended, was it seven years ago now, I think, that think about all of the, the, the retreads and repeats we've seen in the college football playoff since it started. It's Alabama. It's Clemson. We've seen Ohio State make it a few times. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to get into that thing. And, well, I just think it would be a lot, a lot to ask for the Gophers to, to for the Gopher football team to win a national championship right now. Like well, it, it would just, it, I, I don't think it's impossible, but I think when you think about just in terms of the closest there, I just, I, I think it's the Gopher hockey team, and I, I don't think it's particularly close. Now, the Gopher football team might be second on that list, but I just, I don't think it's particularly close, to be honest with you, between number one and number two as far as how close these teams are to winning a title. Well, and for the Gopher football team, Manny, the path for them, it's not like in the the SEC you can probably get away with losing a game and still getting in if you win your conference in the conference championship game. If you're a Big Ten team and you're not Ohio State and you're not Michigan and you're not, well, let's just maybe even say Penn State, you don't start the year off in the top ten. If you don't go undefeated, you're not going to get into the college football playoff. So then if you're looking at Minnesota's path, they can't lose a regular season game. They got to win. They got to win the conference championship game. So that alone makes it a little bit tougher. But I would say this. There is a case to be made. It could be done. I just think it's it's incredibly it's just incredibly hard and a lot more difficult. So it sounds like you and I are in agreement on hockey. Let's close with a few fun topics, Manny. Not that these weren't fun, but these these other final quick two are a lot more lightheaded. 
So I asked Murph in the last Score North Gophers show, what would derail the next Golden Gopher football spring game? I'll give the quick oral history since PJ Flex been here. In 2017, Manny, the game went off without issue, but if you remember, you were at my tailgate. I believe it rained pretty much all morning. I, I'm almost positive on this. And then it cleared up for the game, maybe with some light rain, but it was it was fine. I'm almost positive that was 2017. If not, it was 2016, and be angry. But 2018 was played on a Thursday, moved up two days to avoid inclement weather. The game was open to fans, but it was more sparsely attended because it was a 6 p.m. start on a Thursday night. 2019, the game was played on Saturday, April 13th, but it was moved indoors and only open to media and a smaller number of family and friends. They were also trying to avoid inclement weather. And of course, as we all know now in 2020, a worldwide pandemic has put the game on hold. So what what will postpone, cancel, or delay next year's spring game? I told Murph, I settled on game day plumbing issues at TCF Bank Stadium. (laughs) What, What do you think will postpone, delay, or cancel next year's 2021 spring game? Or I guess not even postpone, delay, or cancel, maybe move it up a day or two. What will get in the way of this thing going off when it's supposed to? Oh, man, good question. I think uh, I tend to think it's going to be something that I mean, just like, because just like everything else, it's always seemed to be something that was completely out of control, out of the university's control, right? I mean, it's just yeah. things that they can't really, can't really um, account for or, or, or prevent. I was thinking maybe something like a... A uniform mishap? Some, yeah, some sort of uniform mishap, or I was thinking maybe even like some sort of like technical issue with the turf or something, <laughs> like something, something, there's like a... There's, there's like a divot in the turf at TCF Bank Stadium, and they're just like, we can't play on this. Look at that huge, look at that huge SUV-sized divot that's in the that's in the turf. We can't have that. We have can't we, play on that. Have we ever been able to figure out, Manny, why that's an issue almost every year at the NFL Hall of Fame game? Remember, was it <laughs> like two years ago? Didn't they outright cancel the game because the because turf? Of the paint. Yeah. The field, the field paint was like toxic or something. <laughs> or something. <Yeah. laughs> well, okay, so here's so here's what I was thinking. What if what if there was a um, do do we have any I, I maybe this stuff has changed because of the current pandemic that's going around, but are there any like big time concerts coming up at TCF Bank Stadium in the next I don't know year? Or so. I don't know of any. If there was anything scheduled for this summer, my guess was they've at least been pushed back. But yeah, I could see that. What if a concert from the summer somehow ruined the field and they didn't realize it till a day or two before the game? <laughs> it's it really is. And I hate to keep harping on this because it, I seem to talk about every Score North Gopher show. It really is the darndest thing with these spring games. And I get we're in a weird climate especially to try and play an outdoor game in April. But it's pretty dang incredible that they all have been somewhat hindered or bothered or changed by weather. To Murph's credit, our ray of sunshine on the Score North Gophers show, he has decided he believes that next year's game will be like sunny in 65, and we can write that down and submit it to Mackie, Judd, and Rami. I hope he's right. Okay. 
this Saturday, this past Saturday, would have been a pretty nice day for for a little uh, spring football. Would have been a little chill. Maybe would have made you feel like it was fall time, but it was in the mid-40s with some sunshine. That would have played well for a spring game. So you do feel that they were a little bit robbed. But okay, so you're going to go with turf technical issue, and I'm going to hold to like game day plumbing issues where maybe there's just like raw sewage all over the field or something. <laughs> and they, and, oh, and they won't let anybody in final one. You and I both broke down and spent way too much time watching a very odd WrestleMania. My two takeaways that are gopher related, Manny, I was kind of hoping we'd see Mike Rollis, AKA, Riddick Moss, but we did not. Yeah. Unless was he in the scrum of the two four of uh, the twenty four seven championship when Rob Gronkowski ended up winning it? Was he one of the wrestlers in that scrum? I don't believe he was. I don't know. I don't think he was. I don't remember seeing him in the middle of that. No. Okay, so no, no Mike Rollis or Riddick Moss appearance. Brock Lesnar fought for the uh, WWE Universal Championship. He was the champion. I believe that was the belt he had, right? Universal Championship. He. Um, oh, it was the. Uh, it was. It was the WWE. Title. WWE title. The Universal, okay. Universal yep. title was uh, Goldberg and um, and uh, Braun Strowman. And I always get confused as to which one's better. I think they're. I. I think neither one's better than the other, right? But one, the WWE one's more coveted. Anyways, yeah. neither neither here nor there. Brock Lesnar ends up losing last night, and did you see that there's a, a go for tie-in on this? Uh, more more so see, than just yeah. more so than he's just a gopher. Did you see the tie-in? I did see the tie-in. Yeah, it's got a little uh, basketball impl- implications uh, riding on both uh, Patino coaches. Okay, so I, we'll close with this. The NCAA can't be happy about this, right? Uh, Patino, Rick Patino, with all the sanctions he's been involved with in his entire career, are they really okay with him betting his younger son to determine the location of a game? I think it's hilarious, no harm, no foul. I just believe the fun police, known as the NCAA, is going to get involved and say, "Uh, guys, you can't do this. But at this point... Who's to say that they just didn't want to schedule the game at Iona anyways? But how it went down, somehow, some way, Richard Pitino said, well, if Brock Lesnar beats Drew McIntyre, you're coming to Williams Arena. And then if Drew McIntyre wins, we'll go out to just outside of New York and play Iona, correct? That's where Iona's at? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, um, I've spoiled it already, but Drew McIntyre wins in... In all honesty, kind of a stupid match. All these guys did was use their finishing moves for what? Five minutes and it was over, but Brock Lesnar... Four, four minutes and 35 seconds, Ross. Wow. Wow, they really tested themselves. It and was... on top of that, side note, on top of that, you saw how quickly the Universal title changed hands as well the night before between Strowman and Goldberg. I think that I think that match was, what, like two minutes, two and a half minutes, something like that? Yeah. So you have the two most coveted belts in the... In, World Wrestling Entertainment, both on the line at WrestleMania, and both matches combined for like eight minutes in total time. <laughs> like not even eight minutes in total time. Well, it just it was anyway. it wasn't a great night for for Gophers at WrestleMania. We didn't see Mike Rollis. 
Brock Lesnar loses. Now potentially the Gopher basketball team has to go on the road and, and hopefully not, but you can already see the storm brewing to go on the road, lose to Iona, and as one of my buddies pointed out via text, watch the jelly roll drop like 40 points on his former squad. So that's that's a nightmare I'm already stressing out about. So I, I, I didn't need that in my life right now, and I, I don't think a lot of Golden Gopher fans needed that in their life. Uh, very quickly for uh, wrestling fans, let's continue this discussion. If you're not a wrestling fan, I would never tell you to check out of the podcast, but feel free to check out. I think the two best things the WWE did all weekend was their scripted, almost Hollywood-like movies where they did a Boneyard match with Undertaker and AJ Styles, which one of my friends told me, I didn't source this myself, Manny, allegedly that Boneyard match took like eight hours to film, and I believe it. And oh, yeah. And then there was a, whatever we want to call a Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt, and that is, I don't know, I said on Twitter I thought it's the best thing they've done in 20 years. That might be an overstatement, but it's one of the best things they've done in a long time because it was so ridiculous, so funny. It wasn't even actually a real match other than, as I told people, it was a match. It was a match in John Cena's head. That's what made it so brilliant. But it was it was just, both those matches were so insanely stupid but stupid in a fun way where they were entertaining yeah yeah 100 uh they were they were both just so ridiculous and absurd that they were fantastic i mean it was it was it was creative it was funny it was entertaining and we saw things that we had not seen before uh it, it was great it was it was a good time and, and i think if you're if you're somebody that looked at those two matches and said, "Oh, well, those were just dumb," then I think you're you're just not really looking or thinking outside of the box. And I, and I think that's what WWE has been. Uh, I think that's what they tried to do with this. And I mean, you and I were both fans of it. And you know, I I, I think it's fair to say that neither one of us have followed it as religiously as we did when we were younger. Uh, back in like the Attitude Era and, and, and things like that. But what made the Attitude Era so great was that it was it was creative. It was thought-provoking. It was, we saw things that we hadn't seen before. They took things to another level. And you can't be afraid to do that. You can't be afraid to try, to try new things. And I think this was the first time in a long time that we've seen the WWE actually venture into something that they had not really explored before. And I think that's what made both of those matches really, really fun and entertaining. Well, and I think they quickly realized when they made the decision to move forward, and I don't want to tear them apart and shred them apart. They claim nobody was forced into working last night. If you did not want to work the show, you didn't have to. And I actually genuinely believe them when they say that it wouldn't be held against you. There's, most of what the WWE says, I won't believe them for. But this one, I actually do that they wouldn't hold. They wouldn't hold you choosing to opt out of something you thought could put you at risk during a worldwide pandemic against you. And by the way, one of their right. biggest stars did Roman Reigns, who is compromised because of leukemia, and he's had to fight it now a couple times in the last twenty years. Chose not to participate, but. 
I would say they, when they made the decision to move forward, they had to have looked at it and said, we can't really have over seven hours of wrestling in an empty arena. We have to try and be creative and do things differently. And that's where I, if they would have shoved these two matches down our throat at a typical pay-per-view or WrestleMania, it might've been out of place and kind of stupid. But over this past weekend, I thought it was very fitting and I found it, I found it comical and borderline ingenious. So I give them credit for it. You can put heat on them for in this little period of social distancing that guys are beating the crap out of each other face to face. But, you know, again, nobody had to do it. They weren't forced to do it. So I guess, in my opinion, it is what it is. The only thing I laughed at, Manny, did the announcers really need to be sitting right next to each other? That was the part that... (laughs) That was the part that cracked me up. Like, I I get we can't have the wrestlers social distance fight each other, but do Michael Cole and Byron Saxton need to be sitting a foot from each other? They they could have done something there, but that's that's probably a bit too nitpicky. Yeah, no, it it was, uh, I'm with you there. It, It was a little bit odd to see them just sort of like, right next to each other like that as, you know, I mean, like, you, you can't really... For the in, the in the sake of the wrestlers, I mean, they just there's going to have to be physical contact, otherwise, there's just just can't have matches. But yeah, that was that was a little bit odd. I I do think it it was overall. I think it was a pretty good show. I I, I would have liked to have seen the the uh, the two the two big belts. I would like I would like to have seen those matches go on a little bit longer. It just seemed really really quick. Um, so that left a little bit to be desired, but. I think overall, considering the circumstances, you're you're competing in an empty arena with no crowd. That's a lot to to ask of wrestlers to sort of go out and and perform in front of essentially nobody. And you see a lot of these guys; they they're able to feed off of the crowd. I mean, that's that's part of what makes them um, good at what they do. And, and it's, it's a lot to ask for them to go out in an empty arena and sort of replicate, uh, what we've been seeing as wrestling fans, our entire lives as we, you know, watch these shows on TV. So, uh, props to them for that, for being able to pull it off. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good show though. I, I enjoyed it. I've, you know, you and I, we've both been pretty critical and, of WWE in recent years just for how they've handled certain things and certain characters and certain wrestlers and everything. But I thought, uh, I thought this past weekend they, they did some pretty good things and it, it, it was nice to see them sort of go out outside of the box, especially considering the current state of affairs of what's going on right now. Well, and last thing here, not to go too long into this and bore people to tears with wrestling if they're not wrestling fans, but you, mentioned the crowd, I brought up the crowd, that there was no crowd, it was just the wrestlers and the and the production crew. And an inside wrestling tip, I guess, for people who don't follow it, the referee has so much to do with the match, and the wrestlers themselves are often calling the match with each other, telling them what's coming next. Well, during this WrestleMania, they really couldn't do that because everybody would have been able to hear it. So... To me, when you had really good matches, and I don't think any of the matches were really all that bad, that speaks to how good these these performers can be, that they were able to pull it off in a different setting. So I give them a ton of props for that. At the very least, again, you can argue whether it should or whether it shouldn't have happened, 
But I will tell you, I was grateful for the distraction and to have something to watch other than Law and Order, SVU, and binging shows on Netflix. <laughs> so that's all I got for you, Manny. Uh, typical Ross and Manny pod. I wanted to keep this to under 30 minutes or less, and we're pushing 45. So I'd say we did a good job. Yeah, it's always good. It's always enjoyable to, to do this, even under the current circumstances where we're not in a mutual studio doing this. I mean, we're, we're doing it essentially from our homes. So yes. <laughs> it's always it's always good to, to talk over sports with you and um, looking forward to the next time. And as I have said multiple times now, we certainly appreciate those of you listening to this podcast, putting up with we know you're uh, you're probably listening to some audio that's been a little bit compromised, but in an effort to still give you content and hopefully do our part to provide a distraction, not just for Manny and I, but for you, that we continue to put out Score North Gophers show. So thank you so much. If you can, please rate us. We would certainly love that. Rate us favorably. And don't forget, scorenorth.com, keyword donate. If you donate to the Ronald McDonald House right now through April 10th, any amount of money that you donate, whether it's $5, $50, or $500, that qualifies you to win a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Again, scorenorth.com, keyword donate. That benefits the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest here in the Twin Cities area. That will do it for this edition of the Score North Gopher Show. My thanks to Manny Hill. I'm Ross Brendel. We'll talk soon.